let's hear what your hosts are talking about in this episode. All right. That was a really good episode. Uh, fantastic start to the season. Um, I think that, you know, the, the, it was definitely interesting getting a perspective from two people who I've considered to be like, I guess you'd call them silent mentors. Like I've looked up to the things that Tessa and Rosie have been doing, uh, following, you know, read their blogs, their social media posts, their videos, all kinds of stuff uh, for a long time, for a long time, because they're just two great people who really know what it takes to be a leader in, in the developer relations industry or, or, or purview or whatever you want to call it. So like, it's so great to have both of them on the show at the same time to kind of share their thoughts. I agree. Um, in high school, I had uh, a, a German teacher who was actually German. Uh, she said that being a German teacher and actually have someone who is a native German is very rare um, because when you learn a foreign language or hear a foreign language, if you're a native speaker, you might explain it by saying, well, it just sounds right. That's why I say it this way. Mm -hmm. It takes a particular skill to be able to understand a concept at a high level, but also still be able to explain it and break it down. And I feel that both of those uh, guests that were on the show really demonstrate not just knowing the material, but understanding how to break it down so that people who don't know the material can understand it, which is really great for a mentor. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I felt like, well, first of all, it was great to meet both of them. I've, I've met Rosie before, I, I believe. Uh, I know she's been a guest on, on the show, but I can't remember if I was on there or not. But um, super great to see them both and hear from them. Uh, I found myself kind of going into this episode thinking more about the structured uh, mentor-mentee relationship and, and that type of thing. Because, you know, we had questions like, how do you find a mentee? And uh, how do you make time for it? And things that we just didn't really get to because I felt like the conversation led more into a little bit more of the casual mentor-mentee relationships that we that we have out there. Um, and then sort of towards the end, we kind of started talking about the benefits, which I think are really we're really more focused towards the actual um, more of a structured relationship. Um, I, I found that <laughs> during that whole time, I realized I I don't currently have like a mentee mentor relationship with anybody. I kind of had to take a little bit of a break just because of the stuff going on in the past year. Um, but I've found myself being closer to being ready for that again. And I think this episode really, you know, made me realize that a little more for sure. Um, because there is like a special thing that happens when you have like a person that you're talking to, you know, it's like a therapist type of relationship in some ways too, I think. And, and a lot like how the three of us, when we get together, you know, and have a little bit less, you know, structured talk around this show and just have, you know, a conversation like three guys, um, there's something therapeutic about that. And I think the, the mentor mentee relationship has that it really like lets you understand that other people have been down this path. You don't have to figure it out alone. Let's talk about it. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I'm blabbing now. It just, been, I, I just sort of fell in love again with mentors, mentee, like sort of ideas. Yeah. That kind of structure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I had a, a mentor -y, mentee uh, and did Wesley's office hours, which was kind of like a space for mentoring. Um, my structure was more when people would approach me to mentor them saying like, what do you see in me that you think that you 
would find valuable and that you would like to get from me. Because sometimes people would say, hey, I would like for you to mentor me. And I'm like, why? What do you like? Sometimes <laughs> it's hard to understand. Like, what what do you think that I can give you? And just so well, that, that, that goes my, back to Jason, Jason saying it during the episode about the imposter syndrome. Yeah. Um, like you're like, why, why would you want me? Well, but it's sorry, even just I, I like when somebody says, Hey, can I pick your brain or can I buy you coffee? Or, you know, they just want to pull, get some just time with you to ask questions that used to blow my mind. Like, why would you want to talk to me about this? Like, isn't there somebody better? And some of it's just because it's the imposter syndrome and, but other, other of it's like, you know, you're just, it's an unnatural thing. I think when, yeah, you haven't realized, like I said, like you're the adult in the room. Like you really are the one who knows more about this than than the other person. And you, you're that's just the nature of the relationship. You are the mentor. And the the thing that you mentioned, like pick your brain, have coffee. I I really the, those are the reasons why I like have a, a kind of like a questionnaire or asking people why they want me to mentor them because it takes a commitment to not only be a, a mentee but to be a mentor. And I've had several mentorship sessions where my mentee would just not show up or they would uh, cancel at the last minute. And that feels like it's uh, a punch in the gut saying like, am I not worth it? Is my time not worth it? But also shows that what information or what things do they feel that they find valuable? And getting that all up front was, is something that also helped me vet, vet who I wanted to spend time with. Um, on both ends. Well, I, I think that there, I mean, to, to the other side of it too, is like, I think there's a lot of people that would probably be benefit, benefited by being a mentor, but their biggest fear is, um, do I have something valuable to take up the time that, you know, we're going to, I'm going to meet with this person for a half hour once a week. Do I have something valuable to give them for a half hour for 30 minutes every week? Or is it just going to be me, you know, polishing off my accomplishments going, Oh, look what I did. I'm so great. Um, and I, I think it's a real fear that people have that maybe they don't have anything of value. And then, you know, like you said, the mentee probably, it's it's probably very similar where they're like, oh, I didn't really take them up on the advice or, or the, the suggestion that they gave me last week. Maybe if I avoid this meeting, I don't have to let them know. There's like this weird mutual feeling of disappointment. We talked about the mutual benefits of, of the mentor-mentee relationship, but we didn't talk about like the mutual fear of disappointment. You don't want to disappoint someone who looks up to you and you don't want to disappoint the person who you've told you that you look up to them. Uh, like it's like a two-way street. You don't want to worry about disappointing someone you, you care about professionally. Yeah. I think that's a big distinction for me between like the casual mentors um, and an actual structured one where as a mentor, I have to hold, you know, the other person accountable and, 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 you know, mm -hmm. it has to be that way or otherwise this isn't, we may not hit the goals that you're after or that you aspire to. Like we can still be friends and I'll give you advice, but if you really want to like a roadmap and you really want to like think through this, that's a commitment. Um, and guess what? Like, I'm not going to let you get by with just taking my information um, we're going to follow up on this if this is right. going to continue. Cause if you're not going to actually do the things, you know, that we talked about and, and, or you do them and it's not working or we should be pivoting or doing something different. Like it's the, the accountability aspect of it that I think is really a huge distinction. And sometimes I don't want to hold other people accountable. Like I'm bad enough about holding myself accountable. Um, I'm not <laughs> sure if, if I can, you know, if I always, 
want to play bad cop, you know, sometimes like I'm great at, at being, at being the, um, the hype person, but I'm not great at, at coming down on you when you, you know, you've shown that you just aren't going to, you know, follow up with what we said, all those kinds of things. I'm bad at being a disappointed, disappointed, like person, uh, I think. Yeah. It's, it's really hard to do that, but also keep in mind that some mentoring is not giving advice, but just giving options and let them make the choice, uh, just opening the door and let them know what other windows and, escape routes there are and then letting them choose what they think is best and it's on them to follow through on if they feel that it's worth it or if they feel like they have the bandwidth to take maybe a harder choice that they wouldn't have otherwise and it can be a progression in their um in their journey one one other book that also is probably really relevant in this is that there's um i don't know if i've recommended this before but uh, just in case i haven't it's called you can change other people where it's talking about um, the the ad, adage saying you can't change other people, but this one turns it on its head by giving techniques about how you pull out what other people value, what motivates them, and then allowing them to create their own path based on that rather than forcing your way onto their construct of what's going to motivate them. It actually pulls out the things that will motivate them based on their own criteria. And so it's a really great book um, saying that if you're a parent or if you're a leader, it's actually your responsibility to find ways that you can motivate people and kind of drive them in a way that they think that they should go. And so if you're looking into mentoring someone, um, I would highly recommend that book. Yeah, that's a good distinction. Sometimes it is best to just, you know, let them think through it and offer some ideas that they maybe hadn't thought about, but I uh, still come back to the accountability thing. Like we say, we're going to do something as far as a goal and, and uh, trying to have yeah things down the road. We're going to check in on that's the part that gets a little bit more. Well, I think that that's also, that's part of what the distinction between like a, an informal mentor mentee situation, a formal mentee mentee mentor situation and a literal teaching student situation. Um, like those three things, those three things are not the same. And I always reflect back when, when I was much younger, probably about 14 or 15, I taught drum lessons. I was, you know, very skilled drummer when I was young and I taught dr lessons. And the one thing I couldn't handle as an instructor, as a teacher was not practicing. Um, and that part of that was because I had an expectation and it's a little bit different when you're a teacher, you have, you have a curriculum, you have an expectation of where you should be and you need to take these steps to be there. When you have an informal mentor-mentee relationship, you're like, hey, you know, show me some, some of your slides that you're building for that deck uh, next week when we meet. Cool. Well, I didn't finish them. Okay. Well, I mean, no skin off my nose. We'll just talk about something else. Uh, and it, when it's when it's maybe a little more formal mentee-mentee, you kind of have that expectation like, all right, well, maybe we'll push off to next week, but I really need to see those. Um, whereas, you know, back going back to that instructor-student situation, it was like, okay, we, we literally cannot move forward. You need to learn this piece. So now we're going to take this time to do the thing that we did last week to reinforce it. And you need to practice that on your own. Um, and I think that's where like the disappointment, the strictness, the structure uh, can break down in various different ways. Uh, so I, th I think that, you know, we need to keep in mind that you need to set those expectations. And we mentioned this off mic, you know, like one of the, one of the, I have rules and structures to the, the way that I do uh, mentorships. Like one is that I, I don't mentor uh, white men. I don't. Uh, you already have a leg up. You don't need the help as much as other people from underrepresented groups or unprivileged groups are unable to get that help. I'm here to help them because that's what I want to use my platform for. Um, other people have rules about, you know, like I won't, 
instruct anyone over the age of 30, uh, or I will only instruct people only over the age of 30. You need to set up these structures and manage these expectations to avoid those levels of disappointment and the levels of imposter syndrome, because you do put those those constraints on yourself. Um, and that I, I, I thought it was funny the whole time Jason kept saying, this is my situation where I'm the adult in the room, and I've never had a situation where I'm the adult in the room. Um, Even this podcast. You're yeah. the adult in the room. Especially right <laughs> on this podcast. Especially on this podcast. So one thing we didn't get a chance to talk about, there's so many things we didn't get a chance to talk about, um, but um, for every mentor-mentee relationship I've had, they've all ended at some point. Um, but they've all just sort of fizzled too, you know, and I'm mm -hmm. curious, like if that's, if that's what everybody, I've never asked any other else is like, do you, do you usually say, well, let's do this for like six months or whatever, or set like a time or is it indefinite? And then something happens like in my case, it wasn't really like bad, you know, anything bad that other person just got busy. Their schedule just didn't work with, you know, our schedule just didn't align anymore really. And they also felt like they had gotten some things out of it, uh, had some new projects that they needed to focus on. So, you know, it just sort of made sense, but, um, I've never had like a, a date, an end date on these things. Um, and I would have loved to hear, you know, everybody's thoughts on that. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't, I think that even in the formal mentorship things that I've never really had an end date, they don't, I don't really feel like they fizzle, fizzle so much as they turn into, uh, okay. So now you feel like we've come to a point where we're on equal ground. And we can just have conversations and and we don't need to do that in a regular format. We don't need to do that in a mentor-mentee capacity. You can just, you know, call me up when you're not busy or, you know, can schedule time to get some coffee. And that's cool. That's totally fine. Um, you know, and I think so it's not, it's, it's less of a fizzle and more of an, an evolution into a different kind of relationship from mentee-mentor. At least that's been my experience. For, for me, it's been, I, th I think we talked about this in the podcast about like, uh, I'm good at one thing. I'm not good at everything. They're reaching out to me in one area. And sometimes we reach the limitation of where they're able to absorb that level of information on that specific topic or area. Some other part of it is that in um, there's, a, there's a bit of transparency and vulnerability into mentoring where you need to be open to addressing and kind of uh, recognizing your own personal limitations. Um, and that's both on the mentee and the mentor level and being self-aware of where your drawbacks are, uh, is extremely important. Uh, there, there, when I meet with someone and I talk to them, I'm not sugarcoating things. I saying you're struggling with this, or you need to realize that you're saying I should be able to do this, but you need to understand that you can't do this. So knowing that you can't do this, what are the things you're going to do to mitigate that? Or what are the ways that you're going to work around this issue? And let's focus on that. Um, and then when we keep uncovering these rocks, these stones of where they could possibly be falling short, that's holding them back. Um, there's a, there's a point where they're able to now explore their own way of finding those solutions or really addressing a part of themselves or part of their life that has been kind of like keeping them constrained. So once we get to that point, that also usually means that it's going to, the relationship between the mentee and the mentor is going to kind of dissolve. It's interesting. I think there's so much we could go into our, into with uh, mentor mentee relationship, mentorship in general, leadership, teaching instruction. I think there's a lot there. Uh, I also think that uh, we could probably do another full episode on this. I feel like we never even, 
never even fully delved into the 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 reason why it's so necessary for DevRel as opposed to other parts of tech. Um, I mean, we, we touched on it, but we didn't go far enough in, I think. But we are out of time for this episode of the After Polls. So again, Jason Wesley, thank you so much. And for all of you listening, thank you as always. And we'll see you next time on the Community Pulse and the After Polls. This has been another episode of After Pulse with Mary Thangwall, Jason Hand, PJ Haggerty, and Wesley Faulkner. Learn more at communitypulse.io or at community underscore pulse on